One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash nuclear revenge video. If you want to hear a crazy story of someone dealing with an office freak, stick around. But first, a story by a vicious tradition. Excuse me, Satan. I think you're in my seat. I'm going to start this story off by saying that this absolutely is not one of my most shining moral moments and that I'm well aware that I was the straight up jerk for doing what I did. My only real defense is that I was in a super bad place mentally and needed a mountain's worth of therapy. If you're curious about the circumstances around her, check my profile, which was evil in human form. Now on with the revenge. I was a weird kid growing up, really weird. It was mostly because I was being hurt at home and forcibly isolated. My social skills were so underdeveloped that I had difficulty reading human faces aside from my grandmother, grandfather, and father. Being the weird kid meant that I was the juicy target for bullies. It never stopped. But there was one bully that I hated more than any of the others. We'll call her Holly. This girl never passed up an opportunity to make my life heck. And since she lived across the street from me, there was nowhere I could avoid her. Holly treated me like garbage. Here's a few examples. She put dog poop in our mailbox on a regular basis. She let my dog out of my yard and I was never able to get her back. She would also sit on her porch with her friends and roast the heck out of me to entertain them if I so much as put a toe outside my front door. It went on for years. I hated her with a fiery passion of a thousand suns. But while my grandmother was still alive, there was nothing I could do about Holly. If I did anything to her or fought back in any way, my grandmother would punish me for it and I was more afraid of her than I was Holly for a very good reason. So I made a plan. I suffered through all the abuse and promised myself that when I was older, I would make Holly pay for what she did to me. Thinking of what I was going to do to her when the time was right was sometimes the only thing that kept me going. Over time, Holly grew up and eventually she left me alone and stopped being a jerk. Unfortunately for her, by then, it was too late. I didn't give a crap about her new moral epiphany. I had been nursing my grudge for two decades and it was time for a reckoning. I was going to destroy that witch. When my grandmother passed, it was go time and I'd had 20 years to plan. I wasn't idle while I waited. I made it my mission in my life to learn as much about Holly as possible. And to do it, I became friends with a few people on the periphery of her social circle. Eventually, I knew more about her and her life than her own mother did. The first step I took in my plan was getting her fired from her job. It took longer than I would have liked, but eventually I managed it. Holly worked at a doctor's office and I knew that the doctor she worked for was super Christian very straight edge, upstanding type of guy. He also had a huge influence on the local community. I decided to become a patient at his office, scheduling my visits to be on the days Holly was off work. After a couple of visits, I just happened to notice Holly in the staff photo on the waiting room wall. 
I made a show of looking surprised and then concerned. I got to the exam room and the doctor came in shortly after. The expression on my face caught his attention and he asked me what was wrong. I told him that even though I didn't want to, as a Christian, I couldn't keep my knowledge a secret and still sleep at night because I just couldn't let him endanger his soul and reputation by doing nothing. I had his full attention. Then I asked him as one fellow Christian to another not to tell anyone where he got the information I was about to give him. After he promised he would, I told him that I knew that Holly was using illegal drugs. He was absolutely floored and at first he didn't believe me. I told him that I understood his skepticism entirely, but it was easy enough to prove or disprove my information with a drug test. If I was wrong, he lost nothing. If I was right, he was saving himself from trouble down the road. He finally agreed to test her, and he tested everyone else too, so that it didn't look like Holly was the only target. See, I wasn't actually lying. Holly smoked a crap load of weed, and I knew that because it was my dad she used to get it from. He'd been her weed dude since she was like 15. Her test came back positive for marijuana, and much to my surprise, Xanax. Oopsie. The doctor fired Holly on the spot when the results of the urinalysis came back, and then he called me to thank me for telling him what was going on. And before he hung up, he told me that I truly walked with the Lord. Y'all will never know how hard I had to fight not to laugh at the depths of his wrongness. I thought I was going to pop a blood vessel. Phase 1 complete. I know what you're thinking. It's just a job, it's not like she can't just go get another one, right? Losing a job isn't the end of the world. You'd be wrong. Remember how I said that her boss had a very high reputation in our area? That man called every single hospital and doctor's office in the state personally to make sure that none of them would hire Holly and risk liability and loss of community trust for associating with her. Holly's field of study was all pertaining to the medical profession, so her education was rendered worthless because nobody would hire her. I wasn't done yet. Nope, not even close. She lost her job, and because she had no income, her car got repossessed. She still had her family though, two kids and a fiancé. Who needs families, am I right? With the help of a good friend of mine, we catfished the freak out of her fiancé. My friend is hot as freak, and she let me use pictures of her to prove that she was really real. She even got on Skype with him once. When he finally made the arrangements for a face-to-face encounter and booked a hotel room, I texted the screenshots of everything to Holly from a burner number. To say excrement impacted the oscillating unit would be a vast understatement. They broke up, the whole thing was an ordeal, and Holly was devastated. She had two kids, no job, and now no fiancé who could help her keep the family afloat. A normal person would have stopped then. Unfortunately, I'm not normal, and I was going full scorched earth. I seethed for 20 years. No way in heck I was going easy on her. Phase 3 With her fiancé gone and no job, Holly was struggling badly. She needed money, and she needed it quickly before she and the kids got evicted. Meth is a giant problem in my area. It's high risk, but it's also fast money and so I started subtly mentioning Holly's situation among my more legally questionable family. Eventually, one of my family's friends, who happened to be a meth cook, got in contact with Holly and offered her a crapload of cash to let him cook dope at her house. 
It was supposed to be a one-time thing, two days and then done forever. Holly was desperate, so she said yes. Everything went smoothly at first, but dead in the middle of the cook, someone called an anonymous tip about an active cook in progress to the local narcotics unit. They rolled up on Holly's house at about 3am and caught everybody inside, including Holly red-handed making meth. Watching her cry when they handcuffed her and put her in that police cruiser was one of the most gloriously satisfying moments of my life. She was in deep legal doo-doo, and to make a bad situation even worse, most houses where labs are discovered aren't deemed habitable afterwards because the toxic fumes from the chemicals used to make the drug get everywhere, and it's super hard and time-consuming to clean. It's up to the property owner to either hire a hazmat team to clean it, or condemn it and tear it down. A lab cleanup costs thousands of dollars. It would have cost more money to clean it than the entire property was worth. So it got torn down with everything Holly owned still inside. See, you can't take things out of a meth lab because they're going to be covered in toxic residue. It can make you very sick, especially young children. Everything in the residence is usually counted as a loss. Now some people sneak in and grab stuff anyway, but whatever, it's their funeral. But since Holly was still sitting in jail, there was no way for her to get anything. And none of her close family were interested in risking getting caught, sneaking into the house and being accused of stealing or tampering with a crime scene. Holly ended up in jail for a while, and while she was gone, the court gave their father, ex-fiance, sole custody of their children. And Holly was only given supervised visitation, two hours every Saturday if I recall correctly. Revenge is a dish best served cold, and mine was freezing. I was behind every single bad thing that happened in Holly's life, in one way or another, for an entire five-year period. She decided she liked bullying me and making my life heck, and she figures there would never be any consequences. Instead, I took her reputation, her job, her fiancé, got her arrested and convicted of a felony and her children taken from her, and the best part is that she has no clue I did it to this very day. She'd forgotten about me, what she did to me impacted my life forever, but to her, it wasn't even important enough to her to bother remembering. I was nothing to her, so she never connected me to her problems. Last I heard, she was in rehab for alcoholism and had her parental rights terminated permanently. After she lost her kids, she just sort of gave up and crawled into a bottle and never came out again. I was tempted to tell her, but I decided that the helplessness and confusion about why everything suddenly went to heck in a handbasket was the better plan. Because that means every now and then, I can contact her and pretend to give a crap about her troubles to get a fresh revenge boner about her newest tale of woe. She thinks I'm the nicest person she's ever met. Would you guys agree with me that a story like this is almost freaky in a way? It's like about how OP's pulling the strings behind them. Never being visible, never being in their thoughts, just manipulating this or that just right and causing this very unaware person to ruin their life. Do you guys agree that it's kind of creepy? Let me know what you guys think in the comments down below. And our final story of the day is by Wifer2016, The Office Pervert and a Cribbage Championship. I used to work in an office that did promotions for local charity events and fundraisers. Crap pay, but awesome co-workers. And the blueberry scones in the office cafe were flat out amazing. 
Our office was small as offices go, about 20 employees including the two managers. Our top boss, who I'll call Bob, was really sweet, constantly having friendly contests with prizes for the most donations and such. I want a basketball that I donated to the kids in my church. He was the kind of guy that would give you $20 from his own pocket if he needed lunch money. I miss him. But I digress. Our office was a lot like the TV show. We were a close family of sorts who celebrated each other's birthdays, drew names at Christmas and ate lunch together. All was rainbows and flowers until Steve strode into our happy kingdom of blissful sunshine. Steve was tall, Steve was large, Steve had a thing for girls with a big chest. Steve had been fired from the hospital morgue for having relations with the, um, the deceased. Into Steve's line of vision came my friends and myself, the three girls in the office whose attributes appealed to him. Day one, Steve sidled over to our end of the office and leered at us. Hey ladies, staring at our chests. We mumbled, shifted, and went back to work. No problem, right? Oh, how wrong you are. This became a daily onslaught of touching, rubbing, comments, stroking our hair, lewd remarks and pouting because we didn't reciprocate. We went to Bob. We went to a second manager. They threatened him. It continued. Until the day I was on the phone with a client and he grabbed my arm in a vice and started whispering in my ear while I was talking to the client. I was struggling to stay professional while trying and failing to get away from him. I finally hung up and screamed, let go of me while bursting into tears. Now this is the 90s. Recognition for sexual harassment was still in its infancy. Help for it was almost non-existent, unless you worked in our office. Second manager came roaring over, hauling Steve off me and making sure I was okay. Told me to take the rest of the day. The revenge and the surprising outcome. I went home and took the next day as well to settle my nerves. When I returned to work, the office was buzzing. The girls gathered around me asking if I knew what happened after I left. Nope. The guys in our office gathered in the hall and waited for Steve. When he came out for a smoke, they jumped him, pinned him up against the wall, and while I was never privy to what was said, I was let known that they beat him pretty good and put the fear of God in him. Steve didn't return for a few days. When he came back, he was a broken man. Black eye, bruised face. He came up to me and loudly apologized, saying he knew how wrong he was and promised to play nice from then on. The outcome? Steve was a changed man. Turns out he was actually a pretty decent guy. While eating lunch one day, someone brought out a cribbage board and everyone was surprised to learn I didn't know how to play. So Steve offered to teach me. I found I loved the game and Steve and I quickly became the team to beat, going on to win the office championship. I left there a few years later. When I left, everyone chipped in for gifts and cards. And Steve gave me a hug. I hugged him back. I definitely can't speculate on what necessarily changed to cause them to be a a reasonably good person, but you could definitely throw it out there that maybe getting jumped knocked a few of those wires and circuits back in line. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. If you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 